Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Welcome to Empowering Chats. And uh, following the theme of reemergence for 2022, June, and we're in June, is radiance. And so what radiance means is to shine brightly as a light, to be cheerful, um, to admit rays of light, shining with joy and hope. So I'm just going to ask you to ask yourself, I'm asking you, do you feel radiant? And if not, why? Are you radiating love? I guess maybe the question really is, what are you radiating? Are you radiating love and joy and hope and happiness and freedom? Or are you radiating anxiety and feeling like you can't get forward in life and depression. What is it that you're feeling? So this means you got to get in touch with yourself, but ask yourself, what am I radiating? And if you can ask that on a daily basis, then you can find your choice point. Today, I choose to radiate love. Today, I choose to radiate peace or hope or joy and make it a conscious choice. Make it a, a daily morning practice. How do I want to radiate in the world? Because that's part of re-emerging, re-emerging, coming back out into connection with others, back out in as you are connected with yourself, right? So how do I radiate from the inside out? It's a good thing to think about. Meanwhile, enjoy the shows. So I have... Um, I have a very wise woman that I'm going to be speaking with today. She has done, well, the particular book I have on my desk right now has been researched and there's lots of good chunks of information in here. And I'm so glad she did it on my behalf. <laughs> she did it for me so that I don't have to. So I want to welcome Don Reno Langley. And the book is called You Are Divine. A Search for the Goddess in All of Us. Dawn, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure, and I'm, I'm really fascinated as to where this conversation is going to go. So I'm, my first question for you is, why focus on the goddess? Ah, why focus on the goddess? It really is a long story. Um, basically because I wasn't hearing anything about goddesses anyplace else except my yoga studio. Isn't that um, fascinating? Yeah. All my yep. life. I, it, okay. So go on. Yes. So um, I got together with my yoga instructor who was a, another wise woman and we started talking about it and I put together a journal because at the time I was creating journals for writers. I wanted to do a series of journals. So I put one together on the divine feminine and I ended up doing a workshop for her, for one of her, uh, Devi yoga days. Oh, um, fabulous. So that started it. And then 
you know, that research was basically just quotes and just a real small dip in the wide ocean that is goddesses. Um, and then I wanted to put together a more in-depth study of what was going on. And it was, I'm famous for going down rabbit holes, but this was a giant warren. I mean, it's like rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. So, um, it, which continues to happen. Mm-hmm. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, I, I, and I'm so grateful that you've uncovered the tip of the iceberg and you're sharing it with us because, um, when I was, when I was young, uh, in my twenties, I was on a spiritual quest and I remember just being so mm, irritated to enraged that there was no conversation about the divine feminine about any. And I remember reading this book called the mists of Avalon. Oh my God. I love that book. And within, (laughs) within the first five pages, I felt an entire body shift, an entire energy shift. And I thought here is truth. This is truth that, that women were sacred leaders and, um, you know, and, and, you, and you don't have to call them goddesses to say they were. So mm-hmm. can we go back in time for a few minutes, Dawn? No, and we talk can go back that? further than that. You go back okay. to the very beginning. In all of the religions that I have studied, with the exception of perhaps the ones that started uh, with people who were already here, you mm-hmm. know, like Buddha, um, you know, was, was male, obviously. But in every one of the origin stories, there's something akin to Mother Nature, Mother Earth, Gaia, uh, you know, the, even the Native American, the Spider Woman. It, right. It's all female. You know, the giving birth, which is the most powerful thing you can do. It's a super energy. It's a superpower. And uh, unfortunately, it's not given the superpower energy that that we should afford to it motherhood. But that um, that's way back in the beginning. I mean, that's back in the days when, you know, there were still cave drawings on walls. Um, and through that time period, I mean, since the very beginning, when the stories started happening, passed around the campfires and so forth, um, when the communities changed to less agrarian and more, citified and civilized, then the talents that the women of those communities had were recognized as stronger than anybody wanted to deal with. And all of a sudden they, you can't, you can't use your herbal medicine remedies anymore. That has to be done by a man who is trained in this university by other men who have never, ever been in a field with herbs wouldn't even be able to recognize them. Right. Yeah. Right. So the doctoring stuff, you know, that we have recognized for years as being male started female. They were Isn't all that female. fascinating. Uh, so you are, you and I are just so uh, synced up because that that's been one of my gripes to, to put it mildly, because most, I didn't think we were going to talk about this, Don, but most pharmaceuticals began from herbs, right? And then companies, male dominated scientific companies, take these herbs that you could find 
most places and distill them and change their molecular structure and say, these are the medicines you are only allowed to use. And we've just witnessed this through the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, there's something that um, I talk about on interviews and I wasn't able to put as much of it into the book as I wanted to, but there's something called the women's Holocaust that has been happening over millions of years. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a certain amount of knowledge or if you have a certain type of knowledge that can be uh, construed as something magical or not easy to understand, you're killed or you're shunned or you're made. I'm hearing that that's your next book, Dawn. Ah, I'll tell you what. You know, that that term, I've read it in a couple of the books. I mean, I've gone over thousands of texts to put this together. And that term was brought up in a couple of the texts and then just, just mentioned and disappeared. You start doing research to this day, there are always, every year, thousands and thousands of women who are killed just because they're women. Yep. Yep. I just did an interview with a a woman earlier uh, talking about uh, trafficking, sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. labor trafficking, and 90% of those individuals are women. Yeah. And most of them are children. Right. So it's interesting to me in, in, in searching for the divine in all of this, where, so it got lost. Like, it feels like it got lost around the 1200s, like really lost to me is do you think that's true yeah or was it i think lost that's true earlier? that's that's the time period when catholicism started spreading throughout europe um actually earlier than that because the earliest universities were a thousand or eleven hundred eight you know bc mm-hmm. so that was about the time that catholicism really took over and i'm not going to blame it all on catholicism i'm going to say that europe as the major continent of civilized beings at that time was responsible you know because we had still at that time period you still had major cultures in china and japan who had female deities you still had major cultures in south america you know it's the saints and you think of how many saints there are and how many women they are and then you look I'm, I'm going off on tangents, so ran, okay. ran in if you have to. And then you look at the amount of females who are actually involved in the upper echelon of the Roman Catholic religion today. This many, I, I was upper gonna echelon, this many mm-hmm. supporting everybody at the top. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, you still have the same situation going on. You know, I've been feeling in the, uh, okay, so this is my tangent, Dawn. Uh, and I speak about this. So I, I really, and you have it, some of it in your book, the divine masculine and the divine feminine, and really our, I believe our focus nowadays would, it would benefit us if we begin to balance those two together. But the, what happened is the divine masculine began to become concretized. Is that a word? I don't know. You just made it. But like stuck in concrete because men who wanted power, right? And we're talking, we're talking the, the early Catholicism. We're talking, you know, 
Master Jesus came and said what he said, and then a bunch of men took it over and made it into something that I, I apologize for anybody who's Catholic listening to me rant. Right. And me too, because I have nothing against the religion. I'm just saying this uh, yes. is the history. And, and, and many, many people get comfort in that. But what 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 I have witnessed in my personal research and is that, like you're saying, many of the early religions the masculine took over and created an imbalance. And right. I think what we're seeing now, what's happening globally, uh, you know, all over, whatever you want to talk about, um, is because there is a complete imbalance with the masculine feminine energies. And, um, and what's happening is where we get to witness the, chaotic crumbling of that masculine energy that became so hard and rigid and unmoving that it has to break down and we're watching and participating in the breakdown. And also because the divine feminine energy is, is, you know, has said enough, 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 enough. So, um, so it's fascinating to me that you came out with a book about the divine feminine and the goddesses, because it feels like uh, it would behoove many of us, mask, male or female, to turn our attention onto that, those sacred ideas that those goddesses represent and the energy that they bring. Mm -hmm. And and I'm a big energy person. So I kind of feel like those, those goddesses, those people I was going to say are still available for us. Is that, oh, yeah. is that true? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, not too many of them actually walk down the street. So pretty much they are available to us. I, it's really interesting that you talked about the balance because I do a morning meditation on the beach every day and put it on my TikTok channel. And this morning, it was just all about balance because I, you have to have a storm to understand that, you know, there are going to be quiet days when you're going to need that rain and that wildness. And you have to have those elements in human beings as well. And the divine feminine and masculine has to be balanced as well. It's not that one is fighting the other. It's that they have to conjoin. They have to really be like jigsaw puzzle pieces you or, know? or like sacred lovers. Right. Or at least partners. Right. You know, and because it's not one without the other doesn't get you anywhere. Exactly. And wow. I think sometimes you, you can get tilted one way or the other. It's like your hormones are off balance. You know, if it's too much one way or the other, you're going to have a massive headache. Yeah. You're not going to be able to function. Right. Right. So, yeah. So the way you've constructed your book you are divine. You, you begin chapters with, um, well, with some of the quotes that you uncovered, but also with some of the um, goddesses that are part of like the um, divine creative or uh, the, I wrote it down, women's bodies, that kind of mm -hmm. where, mm -hmm. where those goddesses were the, the thing to focus on. So explain some of that to me. Us. I think that I know that one of the reasons I wanted to 
when I got into the book and it got to the point where I thought, okay, I've uncovered something here that I, I think is being said in other ways, in other places. Um, I also realized that timing was so important because the Me Too movement and all of the things that have happened to women in the last 10 years, six years, two years, um, has been sort of a wake up call. And like, you know, we haven't lost the ability to dig deep and to find that which we can respect in ourselves, but we've been put into the position so many times of being against each other that I thought it's time for us to look down deep and say, okay, I may not have um, the ability to paint, but I can do, I can fight for someone's rights. So, you know, maybe I'm more like Athena than like, you know, somebody else. Um, I am very creative. So I feel very drawn to the Hindu deities because there are several that are, are creative and they have, you know, um, in their background that they'll say something like, you know, this, this deity is uh, for people who love literature or for people who love to sing or, you know, this deity had the, the golden harp. I mean, they're just all over the place. So you can, you can pick and choose and you can see the strengths that we as women have been told or taught to kind of tamp down. Right. I mean, if we're strong women, we're called bitches. If you men know, are strong, they're powerful. In my 20s, I took an acting class and the teacher, and I was this Miss Preppy and the teacher in the back row said, you're a bitch. And I immediately went into this whole, and I was like, oh my God, I am. And that feels pretty good. <laughs> you know, instead of being this good girl, nicey, nice. Um, so, but, but so let's go back to this, this idea. Uh, well, first of all, you're, you're um, using the word deity. So mm -hmm. would you explain to everybody what that actually really means? Deity, I'm using the term very loosely right. uh, because I do have um, divinities or divine feminines in this book that others would not consider deities. Um, you know, people who have lived on the earth. I have had arguments with people about Mother Teresa because I included her in this book because there were things that happened in her life. She's a human being, you know, and she's been sainted. So, um, not everybody is going to connect with every, what do you call them other than deities, divinities, divine feminines. Right. It's kind of interchangeable. Right. Deity can be uh, a being that was celebrated and never seen. Okay. Somebody in the sky that we cooked up. A deity to me can be somebody who walked the earth and did an absolute incredible job at just being alive. Yes. My mother-in-law is divine as far as I'm concerned. I mean, she's not here anymore. But to me, she was the epitome of someone who carried and walked and talked every step of her life in respect for other people. And, you know, just a fine person. You know, and it's, it's it, you don't often hear other women talking about their mother-in-laws that way, you know, so... And that goes back to finding the balance and where we're not against each other as women, right. we're not against each other. Right. 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 So um, I appreciate body that. shaming, you know? Okay. Oh, I opened God. up 
the first time I opened the book, it was to that chapter. I was like, well, there, because I'm working through that myself personally, the body shaming. And these and goddesses it, are big women. There's not one skinny goddess among them. And they have to be. There's so much energy there. There's power. There's health. There's that that healthy being of, you know, I am here. I am giving my energies to the rest of the people around me, whether it's to give birth or to save a planet or a world or a community, whatever right. that case may be. None right. of them are skinny. Okay. I, I feel much better now, Don. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but you know, it, it, it speaks to the level of um, suppression that women have been under for generations and, and it also goes down the feminine uh, ancestral pipeline too because the shaming that happened two three centuries ago it still floats down because it was never addressed or healed right oh it's still happening today yeah absolutely still happening today and that's the sad part about it because i mean i'm getting up there in years and I've been around for a while and I've been fighting this fight for women and for the rights of other people for my whole life. And I'm not seeing any difference now that I saw years and years ago. Yeah. I mean, I've been afraid to stick up for myself throughout the abuse, throughout the court system, not paying attention to what was going on in my life, not saving me, not realizing I could save myself. We are never taught that we can save ourselves, you know, or that we can save each other, that we can help each other. Right. I, I have a client um, who's been with me for a few years. And, um, and when she first came, she was so damaged. And we worked on building a foundation of self-love. And when she really began to embody that self-love and respect, she said, I didn't know. I didn't know I could love myself. I was, nobody told me that in my family of origin. Of course, nobody told, I was never really told that, that I should love myself. I was told I should be loving everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Working mm -hmm. my fingers to the bone. And, and really, I think that today's women have got to stand on their, on a foundation of love. And, and like you said, save themselves, stand up for themselves. I think some of them do in the workforce, but I, I don't think that's trickled down to how we conduct ourselves in personal relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I think that women still hear what, I blame it on advertising, but it's men. I was going to say that earlier. Yeah, yes, We hear that this person is beautiful and that's what you should look like. And, you know, what about the... 10 million other faces that also can be beautiful. I mean, ageism is something that I'm battling right now. Yes. And makeup. I don't wear makeup anymore. You know, it's just like, why should I to please why somebody else? Yeah. 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 I hear you. Yeah. This is all, everything that we do is for someone else instead of for ourselves. Person we see in the mirror. Right. And my point i think if i get nothing else across is that all of these goddesses that have happened throughout the centuries in every single religion 
you can find one or several or look at all of them and say, wow, that's a feminine energy. That's different than a masculine energy. I don't have to have that masculine energy. I can have that. I can celebrate that. And you know what? That person over there, that other female that I see, she's got some of Paraswati's energy. And maybe somebody else has Joan of Arc. You know, if we can see that female as being the epitome of what we should be, not you know, you don't have to look like Wonder Woman with a cinched waist. You know, you can be who you are and that's okay. And if we can recognize that other women are like that too and that we don't have to sit there and say, well, she's got a better dress on than I do or she can fit into that bathing suit or she's going up the ladder faster than I am. I didn't have any female role models when I was going through um, being an administrator in a college. They were all men. So I learned how to manage men's style, which was totally foreign to me. Yeah, I, I think when, um, when the lib liberation, women's liberation uh, was happening in the 70s and many women went into the workforce, they had to masculine, mas I'm making up another word, Dawn, Mascul masculinize themselves, you know, they had to uh -huh. present as a masculine entity instead of them the real their real selves and i i can't help but they those women made so much headway thank you for doing that for me but i think i can't imagine the damage they also incurred by suppressing their divine feminine from within or trying to adopt the masculine and not having any reference point of how to do it I remember um, I was a new dean and my boss was the vice president and he took me into the kitchen one day. He had told me that I needed to go out into the uh, entranceway where all the students came in in the morning to check their uniforms to make sure that they were properly dressed. So I did. I stood there and I did the check and he told me I was dealing with everything like Hitler. And I kind of did one of these and it's like, but that's what you told me to do, you right. know? So I was doing what you told me to do in the way you told me to do it. But now I realize, looking back that I was a woman trying to do what he was doing and it wasn't, there was no mesh there, you know, um, they weren't ready to see me in that role mm -hmm. and he didn't know how to deal with me trying to, to take on the managerial skills mm -hmm. much later in my career i learned how to balance and i brought some of the female into the office and said okay you know what if somebody goes through a tough conversation in my office and we get up and i say do you want a hug that's me being feminine you know masculine a, a guy's not going to ask you that no but you know asking for the permission anyways there's a difference yeah. there's a difference so so part of your book uh, Don is well. You mentioned um, the mirror. You've got at the. You've got some. I saw it. You've got some practices to do, mm -hmm. and one is seeing into the mirror. Um, one of the one of the things that I um, in my PhD program, one of the the pro the classes I went through was about seeing yourself, learning yourself, and I'm saying yourself, two separate words. 
And Jacques Lacan uh, is a theorist who basically said the first person that you see is in your parents' eyes, and that's you. You know, you you see yourself. That mirror that you see yourself in is the person looking back at you. So I, I really think that that mirror exercise is important because I don't think, I think we look at our mirror, we look in the mirror, we wash our face, we put on makeup, but we don't sit there and really see our faces changing like they do when we're talking to somebody else. Right, right. Or when we're, you know, intent on doing something. We don't see that. Right. Other people do. Well, and as a woman, uh, I, I have gone through, uh, times in my life where I can't look myself in the eye in the mirror, you know, let me just get my makeup on and get to work. I'm not going to spend time looking at that, whatever that is. And I remember when I turned, um, 35, I had, my son had been born. I was 34 when he was born and, um, or maybe I was 35. I don't remember. Uh, but I remember on my birthday, looking finally at 35, looking at myself, looking in my eyes, in the mirror. And I heard very clearly, well, you've arrived, you are a woman now. And it felt good as opposed to me avoiding, 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 avoiding. Why was I avoiding? I, I don't know, but, mm-hmm. um, and I would imagine many, many women avoid looking at themselves. Or they criticize themselves oh, to the yeah. point of, you know, we are not perfect beings. There's not one perfect being in this world. Right. And, you know, it's like you're perfectly perfect just the way you are. You don't have to be anything else. And, and that cycles back to the advertising that started heavy duty in the um, 20th century, mm-hmm. 21st century. Um, but OK, so now let's. <clears throat> this is interesting because you have a section in here about the strength of fireside tales and clothesline chats. and. I often talk about this, about sitting in a circle of women. I, in fact, I, throughout my lifetime, I have called circles of women to support me, you know, and and then it supports everybody else in getting through whatever's going on in my life. Like uh, when my son started smoking pot, I, I freaked out. How do I deal with this? What do we do? And I called a circle of women who each had different viewpoints on how you deal with it. But it was so helpful and supportive to hear those different viewpoints and then also share the personal experience that each of us were going through. And and that's, so talk to us about the fireside tales and the clothesline chats. It's funny because I think the fireside tales go back far further further and, and actually are family oriented, whereas the clothesline chats bring you closer to everybody in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. Um, and mostly remember, women hanging up the clothes. Yeah, exactly. And with the, within those shared moments, which were probably few and far between, those women shared recipes, uh, medical stuff that would, you know, cure the kid who has chicken pox, um, stories about their relationships or about family. And I think that, you know, you get to see each other at a point where you are on an even keel, mm-hmm. you know, we all have wet laundry. We're trying to get out here and that's the only time I can talk to another woman. So it's going to be fun and laughing. Well, the, a, a few years back, 
I did, I used to review theater before pandemic. Um, and I reviewed a show uh, with Nina, Nina Freeland played the lead. And she, and by the way, P.S., she and her son who taught for me were the first mother-daughter, mother-son duo to present at the Oscars. Oh, wow. No, Grammys, Grammys, Grammys. At the Grammys, wow. Yeah, a couple of nights ago. Yeah, so the two of them presented. But he used to teach me and I've covered her shows. Anyways, she had a show that was, I can't remember the title, but it was about slaves and hanging their stuff on the lines and how those clothesline chats started with the slaves, ended up being in inner cities, projects, you know, and all those chats that went on through the years kind of got those women out of their chains Mm -hmm. for the most part. You know, that's where they shared, this is where you go to escape, um, you know, or in the, in the, the cities, this is where you go to buy meat, or this is the guy who's going to fix your car. Um, and, you know, it just on, kept on going. So that to me was such a powerful communicative skill Yeah, that I just was blown away by the symbolism of it. And by the fact that it's almost totally a feminine, uh, I don't know what you call it happening you know yeah yeah, yeah, just a feminine thing to do i don't ever see men hanging out clothes ever to this day so yeah yeah my grandfather was in the garden and my grandmother was hanging up all the quilts she had just washed you know and those are heavy heavy things yeah she's doing it by herself because he's out digging in the in his roses you know or the whatever he was doing so Yeah, there, and that, and that just again speaks to the de- delineation of masculine and feminine. And at one point, it was balanced, and then you know, eventually, it became imbalanced. So I'm really hoping it also, that we- it also speaks to a, a type of communication that nobody else would have, in a lot of respects. I'm just talking about slavery because that particular play was about that, but it, it could happen anytime. When you share that kind of ordinary communication, nobody thinks there's anything important going on. Mm-hmm. That's why they could pass all these details about the Underground Railroad while they were hanging the wash. Because everybody thought that's women's work. Nothing can be happening there. Hello. That's how they and, and pass wonder, messages. Right. And I wonder if women are so smart. Um, I wonder if it also kind of softened the, um, the social structure, you know, or caste system, you know, if, if, if you're hanging, if you're out there hanging laundry with everybody else, that doesn't mean you're the, the queen of the mansion. Right. Right. So, so it kind of, I want to say equalizes in a way. It levels women out. They're all doing the same thing. We all have laundry to do. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, and, and, okay. So let's talk about you also have a chapter on caring for mother earth and, and, and now do you consider mother earth a deity or a goddess? Yes. Yes. Because so many of those religions had something, some mention of mother earth or um, Gaia, the mother nature, whatever you want to call it. Just about every religion has a female goddess deity 
feminine that um, has something to do with the earth being born. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do. I find it very feminine. I mean, it's always given birth, right? You know, and it's always changing. And it could teach us a lot. And if we don't take care of it, we're not going to be here. Well, and it's, and I would say it handles quite a bit of abuse like women do. Right? Yes, you are Whether right. It's mental, emotional, or physical, the earth is receiving all of that mm-hmm. and, and does it with as much grace. And um, I guess grace is the only word I can think of so that it can, it, it, it can replenish, you know, uh, California, I live in California, right? And we had wildfires, humongous wildfires over the last five, six years. And everybody was, we're all freaked out when it gets hot right now. It's, it's, it's really hot here right now. And there's a wind blowing and everybody freaks out because where's the next wildfire that, you know, ravages hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and miles and miles of acres. Right. But what you see after those um, fires is this new growth, this beautiful Mm -hmm. and and within like after the first rain, as long as there's no mudslides, but Mm -hmm. after the first rain, there's this gorgeous new green Mm -hmm. that shows up. And it's, it's just how the earth renews itself regardless of the trespasses that humanity levels on it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much longer that's going to continue to happen, but yeah, you're right. I've seen it, you know, from living in Vermont, you know, and seeing fields go fallow for a couple of seasons and then they come back green. I've seen it in Florida where I lived in, there were plenty of fires. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see it in places like, you know, when they have a nuclear war, the green comes back. It's just, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So, how that's going to be. Right. So, Don, what's the one thing you want people to know about your book? That it's um, just a jumping off point for you as a person, that it can be read in bits and pieces. Um, and that, you know, maybe you'll find, maybe the person reading it, will find something that will make them respect themselves and others so that we can kind of balance this out. I also, as I was perusing it, I see it as a, a great um, circle book, what I call a circle book um, uh, or a book study, but to, to read it in a circle of women and then have conversations about it. it That's one thing I wanna do when I meet with women with book clubs, talking about this, I'm not going to be the sage on the stage. Mm-hmm. I want to ask the same kinds of questions that I asked the women who responded to this book, you know, just to let's open the conversation. Let's think about it and hopefully go back home or go back to where you're, you're being with a renewed sense of, you know, I'm kind of, I'm important to this too. You yeah. Know, we hold up half the sky as the other book says, <laughs> Yeah. And, and we come from a long line of goddesses. Yes, we absolutely yes. do. We so absolutely. the book is called You Are Divine, A Search for the Goddess in All of Us. Um, Don Reno Langley, where can, do you have a website, first of all? Yes, donrenolangley.net. Dot net. And, um, and where can people find the book? It's everywhere. You can okay. go on Amazon, 
Barnes and Noble, the Llewellyn website, wherever. It's all okay. over the place. Awesome. Well, I want to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart for you going down those rabbit holes and doing this research and putting it in one place again. So I don't have to. So thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate it. And well, I appreciate our you. conversation today. It's been really, it fun. was wonderful. Great. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so I'm just going to end with, and so it is namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did go to susanburrell.com, you can See all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time. <laughs>